Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I really hope you do. Please do me a favor. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. That is where we will be spending a majority of our time this morning. Looking forward to our time in the Word this morning. But before we get into that, uh, just by way of kind of announcement, but also prayer request. Um, at 3 o'clock this afternoon, our associational um, meeting will be taking place here at Harmony Grove. For those who do not know what our association is, we belong to the Notla River Baptist Association, which is a group of 23 churches that are focusing, and I do mean focusing because we're refocusing ourselves, on our command, our mission, and our call. That is what we're trying to brand ourselves after because we have a command the great commandment, which is love. We have a mission, which is the great commission. And we have a call, which is to be in prayer. And those are going to be the three focuses for this, uh, for this associational uh, meeting. If you don't have anything to do at three o'clock today and want to see what's going on with all three 23 churches trying to work together, I know that's a lot. That is a lot. But if you want to come see what's going on, we invite you to be with us. Before we get started this morning, I really want to take some time and just go to the Lord in prayer. Um, I know everybody's got a lot on their mind. I've got a lot on my mind. And this morning, I really want us to hear what God has to say in his word this morning. And I know how it is, guys. I know sometimes there's so much going on up here that it's hard to hear anything. Sometimes there's so many voices that are screaming louder that we miss out on what God is trying to say to us. And I really don't want us to miss out on this this morning, even myself. So if you will, join me in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just thankful. Thankful for the opportunity to be here. Thankful for the worship that has already taken place. Thankful, Lord, for our choir and just all that's here, Lord. Thankful for their heart to lead us in worship. But this morning, Lord, we all came here to worship you, but also to hear from you. And Father, I know that even in my life, that is, that is a hard thing sometimes, God. I know there's many days that I have to just get away, go to the woods, and just find a small place, Lord, to where there's no cell service, to where there's no distractions. Because in a world filled with the distractions, Lord, it's hard for us to hear from you. That's our desire this morning. We desire to hear what your word has for us as we go on talking a little bit more about the sanctification that takes place in our life that started the day that we made you our Lord and our Savior. And it will end the day, Lord, that we go home to be with you. But that in-between, Lord, that's some important time. That's some important time that you have to work in our life. That's some important time that we really need to heed what you say through your word. And that's why I ask, Lord, help us to focus our minds, our hearts, and our ears on you this morning. Lord, through this scripture, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart and mind to truly understand what it is that you're saying to us. But Lord, help us. Not only to heed what you're saying, but help us, God, to apply it to our life every day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I told you the association is trying to rebrand itself. 
And you know, branding is not something that we are foreign to. Every business has a brand. Every business has values, core beliefs, or things that they hold to, or things that they want the community or the people to know about them. For many years, Toyota, Subaru has labeled themselves in the, in the mindset of reliability. My sister had a 1989 Toyota Corolla with 400,000 miles on it, and I promise you that thing's still going somewhere. But you knew back in the day that you could buy a Toyota and it was gonna last you till Jesus came back. I mean, you honestly knew that those cars were that reliable. Porsche, Ferrari, they have branded themselves on speed. Whenever you think about speed, I, the, my, the car that comes to my mind the most is a Porsche. I've always wanted a Porsche, but the sad reality is, and I've had the opportunity to sit in one, I can't fit in one. <laughs> I really can't. I could probably put one on one foot and one on the other foot and have a great pair of roller skates, but I can't fit in a Porsche. Evidently, German people are smaller than me, but I can't fit in one. You know what else? I can't fit in a Ferrari either. Tried it too. I was heartbroken that I can't fit in a Ferrari. But these are cars that are known for their speed. These are cars that have raced in the 24-hour Le Mans and also many other races. And it is proven that this company brands itself on speeds. There's also other companies that brand themselves on other things. For many years, Chick-fil-A, and even Cracker Barrel have branded themselves on consistency. That is the one thing that everybody loves about a Chick-fil-A and a Cracker Barrel. You can go to them and it's consistent. The same food you had last time will be the same food that you have this time. And you know what? Those biscuits are always good. Amen. Now we're preaching. On the other hand, we've had some companies who originally branded themselves on being fast. Companies like McDonald's. Notice I said originally, because most of y'all don't know this, but back in the 90s, they had this counter on the window. Y'all remember that? That you had to get your order within three minutes or it was free. I can't tell you how many free Big Macs I got. Can you tell? Taco Bell is another one that's based themselves on speed. And I guess when it doesn't taste that good, it can come out fast because Taco Bell, I, I just don't get how that's even considered Mexican. That is, I mean, the meat, they studied it. It is 40% meat. We're not sure what the other 60% is. We don't want to know. But they have based themselves and branded themselves on speed. We've also got other companies who branded themselves on like things like Performance, like Nike and Adidas, and even Hookah, who have branded these shoes for runners so they could run faster, for athletes so they could play harder, and they've done a great job on it. But they've also, another company by the name of Skecher, which my wife calls them old man shoes, have branded themselves on Comfort. Okay, I like comfortable shoes. Amen. Am I wrong, Tommy? Comfort. comfort. Comfort is where it's at when it's on my feet. I love comfortable shoes. All these companies have brands. Every company has a brand that they follow, a brand that they are known for. And what I 
thing we fail to realize is that even the church itself has a brand. We heard it a long time ago, the word Christian. We find out in Acts chapter 11 that the first time that the followers were called Christian was in Antioch. And this is just a short time after Christ had gone on to be with the Father. But what a lot of people don't realize is when this word Christian come about, it was actually an insult. It was an insult to the people who followed Christ. And it actually means little Christ. Oh, these people are trying to be like Jesus. They're just a little Christ. Or these people are trying to make themselves just like Jesus was. And I'll be honest with you. I don't take it as a sly remark to say that I am trying to be a little Christ, especially when I know I can never be as big as him, when I know I can never be as great as him. But at the same time, Christ gave us a brand. We started talking about this last week. It's funny, in Sunday school, somebody asked me if I would repeat Sunday's sermon, and I am pretty close. But last week, we started talking about sanctification, the process that takes place in us as a believer when we come to know Christ and is fulfilled when we go home to be with him. And sanctification is where we become the brand. It's where we become like Christ. Remember last week, I told you the definition that we're using for sanctification is what John said in John chapter th uh, three, when he said, I must, I must become less so that he can become more. That is our goal. That Christ is shown in us. But what does it look like? What does it look like to live like Christ? How do we reflect Christ in our lives? Because unless we know what that looks like, we can never see what the brand is. And in Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23, we see a little bit about what this brand looks like. And this is what Paul says to the Galatians. He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. A couple of things I want to make mention to you before we dive into these. We're going to go through a quick, quick illustration of what all these are. But there's something I really need you to pay attention to. Notice it says the fruit of the Spirit, but it lists nine traits. Why is that? Because these traits are a description of what this fruit looks like in us. Remember we talked about how Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. And as believers, we produce a fruit. That fruit is not just one or two of these things. It's all of these things accumulative. And in our life, this is where the struggle really comes in. Because we are trying to live a life that looks like Christ. 
But we are in these earthly vessels. We are in these earthly bodies. And there is always this conflict. This conflict against the flesh and the spirit. We'll talk about that a little bit more here in a minute. But let's really talk about what these fruit are. The first fruit he says, he says, the fruit of love. Now, when we hear the word love, we think of a lot of things, don't we? And I mean, honestly, love is probably one of the most abused words out there. We say things like, I love Chick-fil-A. Can you really put that on the same level as your spouse? Yes. No. <laughs> no. I know Chick-fil-A is really good, son, but you still cannot put that on the same level as your spouse. I can't even put it on the same level as my kids. Now, there's days I like Chick-fil-A more than I like my boys, but you can't put it on the same level. So what that tells me is there are different degrees of what we consider love. And that's important for us to understand right here because when he's talking about the word here, love, he's talking about agape, love. And this is a love that is extremely foreign to us. I think the only people who can really understand agape love, I think is a mother. I think a mother understands agape love more than any man in here. Why? Because they had those children with them. They've brought those children into this world. They have nurtured these children. They've seen the worst parts of these children. And you know what I always find my wife doing for my boys? She's always advocating for them. She's constantly advocating for them. She's constantly telling me to lighten up on them. She's constantly telling me to really consider their age. And these are things that I do have to consider. But this is the love, this agape love, is the love that God desires for us to have for each other. Did you know that? This is the love that God desires for us to have for everybody in this room. Now this gets tough, doesn't it? You see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, yeah, I got another Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we hear this scripture read at many, many weddings. And yeah, it can work, but you need to understand that 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 are actually talking about the body, the body of Christ in chapter 12. And in chapter 14, it's talking about orderly worship services. So if 1 Corinthians 13 is right in the middle, what do you think this love that he's talking about is supposed to be addressed to? The people. Now listen to this. If I speak human or angel, angelic tongues, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all the knowledge and if I have all the faith that I can to move mountains, but I do not have love, I have nothing. Man, that's a powerful statement. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to 
boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Now I want you to think about a brother or a sister in Christ that you may be having a conflict with right now as I read these next verses. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep record of wrongs or rights. Mm. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, and endears all things. How close to that love do you think we are as a church? What would you say, 25%? Is that too generous? Maybe 15%? And see, what bothers me even more is because our world has become so hostile, so hostile, that it is becoming harder for me to show that love. I had somebody ask me a couple of weeks ago, why is it that you don't post more stuff on Facebook or Instagram? Because for a long time, I was posting devotionals, I was doing all these things. And you know what started to happen? There's always that one person. You know what I mean? There is always that one person that will remark or comment. And when that happens on my page, you know what I feel like I have to do? I got to defend. When I defend, I'm not a kind person. And what's funny though, is somebody told me that according to Proverbs, when I do respond to that, I become as foolish as they are. So I just stopped posting because I don't want to be foolish. But at the same time, it is hard to love. But this is part of the fruit of the Spirit that indwells us through the Holy Spirit. He also says that we have joy. Joy is true delight, bliss, and satisfaction. The joy that he's talking about is what the 70 uh, had when they come back to Jesus in Luke chapter 10, after Jesus had sent them out. And it says that their hearts were filled with joy because of what they had got to do, because of what they had got to be a part of, and because of what they had got to see. And this joy is not something that is easily taken away from us. This joy is a joy that takes place when you are able to lead somebody to Christ. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever had that joy? Have you ever had that joy of leading somebody to a relationship with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Because if you have not, I got to tell you something. You're missing out on one of the biggest blessings in a Christian life. It is amazing to watch God grab a hold of somebody and transform them from the inside out. And it is such a blessing to be a part of it. And you realize that, you know what? I had nothing to do with this. I was just there. I got to be a part of it. And I got to see it. Well, this is the joy that John also talked about last week. 
He talked about how his joy, his heart was full of joy just from being able to be a part of being a forerunner to Christ. He told his disciples many times, I'm not Jesus. I'm just the one who comes before him. But I want to give you a little insight to this. While John is the one that come before Christ, who are the ones that come after Christ? Us. Why don't we have that joy? Why don't we have it? Again, it's here. It comes from the Spirit. It's not something that we produce. It's inside of us. He also says peace. Peace is a state of confidence. It's a state of confidence that comes from our unity in Him. We know that we are forever joined with God and that no man can separate us. No man can pluck us from his hands. And that peace comes about, just like Jesus said in John 14, when he said he, gave, he comes to give peace, but not as this world gives. Because this world peace that we all look for, you know what? It's conditional. As long as everybody gets along, there could be world peace. But the one minute that one person posts something on Facebook, it's all shot. Wow. The peace that God gives us is knowing that we are united with him and we have nothing to worry about. That is an amazing peace. He goes on to say patience. Yeah, we'll skip that one. Um, no, we won't. The word that's used for patience throughout all the scripture is a word that we really got to embrace when it comes to patience. That word is long suffering. Now it's one word. But I want you to separate them and I want you to think about what that's saying. That's saying that you are going to suffer for a long time. You've suffered with your kids for a long time. Am I wrong? Am I? Some of you have suffered with your husband for a long time. Am I wrong? I'm not going to say that us husbands have suffered with our wives. Y'all are a blessing to us. We love y'all and we're thankful. <laughs> but we suffer. We are patient. We endure. And this endurance is the same long-suffering and endurance that Christ had with us. Second Peter 3.9 talks about how God is not willing that anybody should perish, but that he is long-suffering with us all so that we might come to repentance. We struggle with this, but again, I want to remind you, it's here. It's here. The next one he goes to, he goes to kindness. Kindness is just caring and respectful. It's about caring for people and being respectful. Think about the kindness that God has had towards us. Do we belong in his family? Do we? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, it talks constantly about how we are grafted into his family. And it's through the shed blood of Jesus Christ that is the only way that we can be a part of his family. And this kindness that he has for us, it's not based on anything that we did. And see, that's where our problem with kindness is. Because I can be kind to somebody as long as they're kind to me. You follow me? You get me? 
As long as somebody's being kind to me, it's easy to be kind and respectful to them. But the first minute they turn, man, there's a struggle. Man, there's a huge struggle. Because I want to tell them what little I know about them. I want to tell them how I really feel. And I want to tell them, I want to tell them I love them, but I don't. But it's a struggle. And why is it a struggle? I don't know. Because it's in us. It dwells inside of us. It's part of this fruit. The next one's goodness. Goodness is just simply talking about being upright and honorable. Man, can you imagine how different this world would be if just the church would focus on being upright and honorable? The next one's faithfulness. And this speaks of a strong conviction, but it also speaks of consistency. Consistency is another area that we struggle with. Because we can do something for a period of time and be good with it. But staying consistent in something, man, that's foreign to us. Next one, gentleness. This is another issue I have a problem with. Because gentleness is an unassuming apathy for people. What that means is I'm not assuming that I know what everybody is going through. And I am trying to be empathetic to what they are dealing with. I'm trying to understand. But see, right now, we're in such a polarized state to where, you know, I've got my opinions, I've got my views, and I don't care what yours are. We have no apathy or empathy. We got lots of apathy. We have no empathy. Why not? It's here. It says it right here. And then that last one, self-control. Self-control is the mastery of yourself, your thoughts, your actions, and your response. I want you to think about the self-control that God must have. Who's in control of your life? Whether you are a believer or not, who's in control of your heart beating right now? God. And it says that he is patient, not willing that any should suffer or perish. And therefore, he is controlled in his wrath towards people. Does he have a right to just go, yes. But there is a control to that. There's a control to that no matter whether we're enemies with him or even if we love him. That self-control is another key aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Why don't we have it? It's here. The reason we don't have it is because these are not true to us. These are not our true nature. And I know many people have said, well, I know some genuinely good people. You know what genuinely good people have? Bad thoughts. Let me give you an illustration. You ever heard somebody say, bless your heart? Now they're saying it being a good, nice person. You know, you know what they're really saying? I've told you this. They're saying you're stupid. 
Is that a good person? No, they're just covering up what they're saying. There are no genuinely good people. Romans tells us clearly that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So are there any genuinely good people? No. So what is our nature? Paul alludes to our nature just a few verses before in chapter five. In verse 19, listen to what he says. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, all things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did y'all pick up on that last part? Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. You see, through regeneration and through justification, we have a new life, a brand new life in Christ. And when we go back to our old life, and many of us do, okay? I strayed for many years. I'm not going to slam anybody. Many of us go back to our old way of life. We've got to realize this. When we do that, we are bad for the brand. Our brand, Christ-likeness. Our downfall, we exalt ourselves above him. There's been many companies that have had situations that have been bad for their brand. Johnson & Johnson, a company that's been known for years, they have branded themselves on quality of life and health care. I mean, if you've been to the hospital, there's a good chance that something in that hospital has been produced by Johnson & Johnson. If you go to your medicine cabinet, you're probably going to find all kinds of things produced by Johnson & Johnson. But for years, the number one selling item, consumer item, from Johnson & Johnson was, anybody want to guess? Baby powder. Love that stuff, don't you? It is so nice and silky and gets all over you and you can't wash it off for nothing. It's got glue in it or something. But for years, Johnson & Johnson made a fortune off of baby powder because it eases the chapping, takes away the diaper rash, dries up moisture. People put it in their shoes. But in the late 90s, a lot of people started noticing some things that were very similar. A lot of people who had used talcum powder for a long time started developing mesothelioma. And I know most of you've heard of this cancer. If you've watched TV, you've heard about the substance that comes about to bring this cancer. It's asbestos. And asbestos is one of those things that you will not see in 
any building. But what they knew and we didn't is that asbestos is naturally produced in talc rock. Matter of fact, most of the things that asbestos were made from were made from talc rock. It is a natural forming fiber. And a company that had branded themselves on health care, had branded themselves on quality of life, had been making a fortune off of this product. And here's the bad thing. And not in 2017, they found the research at Johnson & Johnson that said that the executives had known about it since 1970. A group of people who says their brand is healthcare and life quality sold a substance that they knowingly knew was contributing to mesothelioma and many people. It was bad for the brand. In 2017, when this was released, Johnson & Johnson stock dropped by 75% in one day. Isn't it funny how just one little thing can ruin it all? One little thing can cause us to have a bad reputation. And we've got to realize this as a church. 89 times through the Old New Testament, we are commanded to be above reproach. What does that mean? It means to have a good reputation. And to do this, we have to do away with that old nature. And guys, there's good news to this. There's good news. Yes, there is an old like Adam nature inside of us. But at the same time, there is a new spiritual nature inside of us that is more powerful than this Adam like nature. It is the same power that rose Christ from the dead. It is the same power that brought about all the miracles that we've seen through the New Testament and even into the Old Testament. And this is the same power that resides in us. And this power does and can take control of this old Adam like nature. Now, does that mean that we're going to be perfect and we're never going to fall? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because at the last part of that verse, in verse 21, it talked about those who practice. You know what it means to practice? I wrote down this definition just so I wouldn't forget it. To practice means to purposely and actively participate in. When he's talking about practicing, he's talking about people who actually know what they are doing is wrong and continually to live in it. And you know, we really have to be careful when we try to minimize the sins that Christ died for. Did Christ just die for the sin of murderers? No. Did Christ just die for the sin of thieves? No. Did Christ just die for the sin of Children who are disobedient to their father and mother? That's all of us. No. 
Christ died for all sins, even those ones that we consider small. And see, this is where we get caught up as a body of believers practicing sin because we put it on a scale. Well, it's not as bad as what such and such did. Well, it's not as bad as what took place in this other family's life. Oh, this is something small. This is something insignificant. Brothers and sisters, Christ did not die for anything insignificant. He died for something that separated us from him. And if we go on daily in our lives practicing these things, whether it may be outlashing outlashing in anger to people who are read to us, or whether it may be not being kind to those who are unkind to us, we are still practicing sin. Personally, I know this conflict. I know this conflict wholeheartedly because I battle with this and these two natures every day of my life. But see, because of this thing called the Holy Spirit inside of me, whenever I do something that goes against one of those fruit of the spirits, I get this. Am I the only one? And you know what? Honestly, I've seen this in a lot of you. I've seen these fruit of the spirits well up in you when the time was needed for them to do it. I've seen grown men who you would think would be harsh, horrible people to interact with when something's going wrong become a gentle, tender-hearted follower of Christ. I've seen a 56-year-old Marine You don't get nothing harder than a Marine. Melt, melt like a little baby when he accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior. I've seen the fruit of this Spirit in these people, but I've also seen it in all of you. But there's still that conflict. So what do we do? In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus gives us some words. Some words that I really want you to wrestle with, not only today, but also throughout this week. And this is what Jesus says. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. When? And follow me. Now, when you think about this illustration, he's telling you to take up your cross. Most of us think about this cute little ornament that we wear on our necklace. Or we're thinking about this cute little thing that's on the top of our uh, sanctuary. Or these three things out here that make good outdoor decorations. But when Christ said this to these people, 
The only time that the cross was ever used was as an instrument of death. And Jesus is telling these people to pick up this instrument of death. How often? So you know what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying that every believer's day has to start off with a funeral. Every single one of our days has to start off with a funeral. There has to daily be a dying inside of us for these things to come out in us. Because here's the thing, if Scotty Gerard is still alive and still in control of his life, who are people most likely to see? Scotty Gerard. But if daily, every morning when I wake up, if I am killing myself daily, if I am sacrificing myself daily, who is living? Christ is living in me. Now this is hard. Because when he's talking about death, he's talking about death to your opinions. He's talking about death to your ideologies. He's talking about death to your plans. He's talking about death to the things that you want to do. But all these things are done so that he can live in you. And don't forget this. Christ had to die so that we could live. And it is our role as a believer to die so that he may live. Pray with me. Father, such a simple truth, but it's the hardest truth I've ever had to not only teach, but also, Lord, try to live. And maybe that's why it is so hard to preach and teach, Lord. Because it's so hard for me to live it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why that Adam-like nature inside of me wells up when that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead resides in me. Father, I pray that you would help us all to die to ourselves daily. Because, Father, this world needs to see more of you. And honestly, Lord, it needs to see a whole lot less of us. So this morning, Lord, as we move into this time of invitation, as we move into a funeral, I pray, God, that you would help us surrender everything that is not of you so that everything that is you can live through us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, Pastor Scotty Gerard here, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this has been a resource that's helped you grow in your purpose for God, but also grow in His glory. 
We also want to extend an invitation to you to join us here in person at Harmony Grove. We are located at 1008 Town Creek School Road in Blairsville, Georgia. We would love for you to come be a part of our service, to be a part of our small groups. If you have children, we have children's classes on Wednesday night and on Sunday morning. And all this information can be found on our website. We'd also like to continue help you in your growth with Christ. If you have a question, maybe a prayer request, or just need to talk to somebody, you can contact us in the emails below in the description, or you can also contact us through our app and through our website, which are also found in the description below. Again, we hope this has been a blessing to you because we know that you joining us today has been a great blessing to us. Thank you so much. God bless.